Welcome to your typical Shonen protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kells. And this week, we're talking Mushoku Tensei. First off, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. We are talking about one of my favorite, uh, I don't know if we can call it a new gen anime, but like my favorite anime to come out in the past probably 10 years, I would say. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's it's wild because Mushoku Tensei is a it's an isekai, right? And we've had isekais be this kind of we've had some that are really exciting. We've had some that pivot on the formula and we've just at this point had so many that it's kind of hard to find the good ones in the sea of of everything that's happening in another world. But Mushoku Tensei just takes this idea of somebody dying in, in, you know, the current existence and winding up after getting truck-coon, right? Being ran over by a truck, and that is the unexpected end of their life. They wind up, especially in Mushoku Tensei, they wind up in, in a new world in a way that doesn't happen in any other one, right? Yeah. And it's it's that novelty of how seriously it takes the new chance on life that other shows touch on, but not in the same way that we see here. Yeah, it's um this show is praised as such high caliber because of the studio who behind who's behind it. The studio does like ReZero, which is a whole experience. Um, well, not even the studio who does ReZero because it's a combination of uh that studio and egg firm so studio bind who came together to make this but we'll get into that later um but yeah no there's a uh, real attention to detail and the people who love their art are the people who crafted this anime because this is this isekai is just tremendous and has so much love and care behind it in the community now what i see here from the notes it's being praised as the first true isekai what does that mean so a lot of people say that this is the first isekai, like back when, because isekais were kind of published in the genre, and it's a fairly newer genre in Japan, uh, but there's this like website, like this open source website where people would post their stories, it's where um, Sword Art was posted, it's where uh, No Game No Life were posted, a lot of these old, early like web novel type stories, and Mushoko Tensei was like the first one that was posted there kind of got notoriety and a following so a lot of people praise it as the father of all isekai i mean maybe but digimon's a fucking isekai like <laughs> well that's the thing where it's like digimon Yu Yu yes show is an isekai yes i would say that i i would say that but i know that in terms of like i'm not in like the japan culture japanese culture so yeah, yeah. i feel like they have such detailed like places of where things fit because i know digimon apparently doesn't check out all of the stuff in the isekai because they i think part of the isekai means you can't return back to your world i i don't know i don't have all the facts oh well, obviously that's not true because sword art goes back any anyway um the pure genre of just strictly isekai I, mean, I think digimon and uh yu hakusho lean more into shonen aspects because they don't fall into the like kind of grittier world of an isekai. Well, 
well more more to ask like what what are the what are the things what are the tropes that we attach to an isekai right so um dying in the real world and waking up in in a world that is not your own that's one thing right yeah we have we definitely have the cliche of it being uh you know getting truck cooned just getting run over by random traffic and that's the cause of your death that that tends to be the way we spur the incident also the world you wind up in is often like high fantasy right so yeah. a lot of these other shows we can associate uh you know oh it's an isekai because they die and wind up in a new world well they're missing that high fantasy aspect right magic is real uh you know mythical creatures are real we have all of this you know dungeons and dragons in japan type shit yeah so but that's that's like the epithet of it though is the father of all isekai so i didn't give it that title <laughs> find out who did i'll find them and i will go to their house yeah. and be like what else what else do you like doing let's talk about it would you like to be a guest on our podcast yeah yeah Gotta do it man that's that's how we do it um so yeah. the 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 original story being published early on um in starting in 2012 the tail end of 2012 as an, a, a web novel uh, and finally getting an animation uh, in what, 2021? Yeah, 2021 is when uh, we got season, the first core of um, Shoko Tensei, and then we got the second core in uh, winter of 2022, earlier this year. So it's one of those things, the story's been sitting out there, and it finally got its anime adaptation, which comes... Not with just any company picking this up. We've got the combination of White Fox and Egg Firm coming together to start Studio Bind just to produce Mushoku Tensei. And that's a flex. That is an absolute chat flex. It means someone had strong belief in this, which rightfully so, because it was everywhere. And it was doing great numbers. It still is doing great numbers if it been out. Um, and just... Like the sales, you can't get these books in stock. I know. I have. I I'm also a manga collector. I like reading source material, and recently I've migrated over to light novels as well. I'm still with the manga, but I was gifted um, half the set by our friend Cam for my birthday. He gave me like ten copies of Mashoko Tensei, and he was like, "Good luck finding the rest." And me <laughs> as a completionist. I was like, I hate you with the passion. Now I have to, now I have to find them. And it's been a hassle because they're just so sold out because when this came out, it just hit the ground running. Like everybody and their mom. Like, yeah. And I'm sure that even, even the, uh, the translated release is even another bottleneck for that. Yeah. Like it's cause that's probably, I think we're on volume 19 or 20 for translated, and they just put out the final volume in Japan of the light novel, which I think it's like 24 or 25, and the cover is just crazy because it's like huge spoilers, but at the same time, it's like, wow, this is actually happening. Like, we've done 24 volumes of this. That's wild. Yeah, man. And and seeing just what we've covered in in the first season with the 24 episodes, it's like, 
I can see why there's 24 light novels. And also, oh my god, we've only gotten this far with the world. <laughs> what else is going to happen? How long are we going to go for? It It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, let's let's get into a little bit of the craziness of Mushoko Tensei um, without giving everything away, of course, because we're going to come back and uh, go through a little more. But the first core, or just Mushoko Tensei in general, follows a 34-year-old underachiever, kind of neat type person, which is a person who's a shut-in and stays at home and doesn't do anything and just is uncontributing to society in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, and neat. And so he's our underachiever, 34 years old, and he gets ran over by a bus and he gets reincarnated in this new world as an infant. And as he's reincarnated with this world, he discovers that there's magic and opportunity to live a life that he's never lived. And he goes on to find friends and acquaintances and also having a really, um, good talent for magic has takes the courage to kind of change the life and make it the opposite of the life that he had when he was in the human world human world our world i don't know yeah let's say our world because i guess it'd be disrespectful to say the real world uh but yeah our world and this is all like the adventure of finding yourself with a new life all while still having the brain and experiences of a 34 year old virgin yeah, which is very interesting because it it comes back to show you in the series of what that has kind of done to him. Um, but just going back into Rudus's life, our main character, Rudus's gray rat, we see also, Lord Jesus, don't get with your cousin. I just, I. For some reason, that just hit me, but I'm just like, anyway. So, like, I'm not sure why. Looking at the names, it just kind of hit me. But, yeah, any- you, you, did, you didn't know. I did, but at the same time, it's like, this is when it just hit me. Which yeah, is, I guess, this, is, this is why I've got some problems with this show. Yeah. Um, really, really enjoy the presentation. Animation is, you know, like, the work of God. But uh, no, some of the source material, some of the, the the plot points we touch on, just what the fuck are we doing, man? It's Japan, man. <laughs> they love it over there. I don't know why. I'm just like, one day we're going to find out that Keiko is Yusuke's cousin. It's just going to happen. No, but. don't wish that on us. <laughs> don't wish that on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, Rudis, um, in his past life, like I said earlier, he was not just like a neat, but he was so much of a. Oh, sorry. I'm. Let's. We. I mean, I feel like we've already covered Studio Bind. Like, I feel like. Yeah. You, are you comfortable with the studio and the production team? Uh, I, I found. This? I found looking at this very interesting. You know, to see Studio Bind, uh, come up the same way that like I, in a in a similar way that Wit Studio just came about with. Really starting off with like uh, what what did they do Attack on Titan, yeah, and that being like the thing that like they do really well, and then uh, we see how that turned out for Wit Studio. But um, I you know with uh, Studio Bind, I found it really interesting to chase down like who these other pr- companies were and what else they've done and wh- how we got here, 
And so like Egg Firm is a production and planning and management company and Wit, uh, not Wit Studio, White Fox is the animation side. And to see like the planning and execution come together in Studio Bind for this project and another one coming up uh, that is not Mushoku Tensei, uh, I thought was super interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. Um, phenomenal animation, phenomenal sound design, uh, which we're going to talk about the sound design and the animation a little bit later when it gets to something that I like what they did a lot. So, um, anywho, so moving further into this, uh, Rudis's life when he was in our world, the non world of Mushuko, is that how you say I pronounce it? Mushuko? Fucking Mushoku. Mushoku. Uh, Mushoku Tensei is very much different and very, very horrible. Um, he's getting beat by, as, and it's something we find out as we go through, um, as we go through the show. It's not just kind of just shown all up front. Like there's moments where we have to overcome things, like going outside of the city in the first half of or the first arc of this series we see that rudy has a problem going outside and meeting other people is very timid and shy then we find out oh that's because he was getting the heck beaked out of him when he was in you know high school like he got bullied and stripped naked to the point where um he just didn't want to go to school anymore because of course that happened and he ended up being a shut-in and then they, when they taped him naked to the front gate of the school yeah, like, so, like, yeah. Uh, other than you know physically harming him farther, it's probably the uh, the hardest bullying you can possibly get. Yeah, like, which I see this type of stuff, and I've been watching some K dramas lately. And I'm just like, yo, don't make me go over there, like, because the bullying just like seems like it's on another level. And I know that's probably just to amp up the show, but like, man, it's it's crazy. Um, but anywho, so he was getting all this horrible bully stuff done, which kind of put him in this mood to not do anything. And I believe his mom or his dad, or is it both of his parents that passed away? So yeah, he, he stopped going out of the house for, you know, basically 15 years or so. Uh, Cause he, you know, by the time the events that get us to, the new world happened he's 34 and yeah both of his parents presumably die um and it falls on his siblings to kind of care for the house and him and he doesn't even go to the funeral right he can't leave the house and he won't even go to the funeral for the death of his his parents yeah which is you know super messed up and, and the one time he leaves this house right because he's like I've got to leave. Or he gets thrown out, I believe. Yeah. He gets thrown they out kick, by his siblings, I believe. Yeah. They kick him out of the house, and he wanders on the street, and he sees a like a, a truck coming that are going to run over three high schoolers, and he heroically pushes one of them out of the way, but then he gets hit. Yeah. yeah. And my dude just kind of dies. Well, not kind of dies. He, <laughs> he dies. Definitely, totally dies. The big thing here that makes it different from a lot of the other isekais we see is that 
instead of just you getting run over and you waking up at some point later on, just kind of as you were in a new world, Mushoku Tensei is more of a reincarnation vibe. Yeah. Because Rudius doesn't wake up at four, like 34 and is just some fat nerd in, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. No, he is an infant and he wakes up in his mother's, bo- like at his mother's bosom and is like, oh, yo, titties. 34 year old man inside an infant's body. And that's how we start. Just not knowing what's going on, but having a narrator that can like have opinions and make statements and is too knowledgeable for his age. Yeah, it's a it's a whole it's a whole time, but it, I like how it does that. I like how it's the reincarnation process. We already see those differences between other isekai like I mean the one the think. one that really comes to mind for me probably because it's the most recent one I've watched is ReZero. Yeah, because ReZero same vibe, kid doesn't leave his house, winds up getting run over, except in that, he just wakes up, you know, still the same age teenager in a world that he doesn't recognize, and his adventure is figuring it out. And we still have those same kind of high fantasy trappings, magic, relationships, this, that, and the other. Um, but the the detail in the world and having to experience the world from the base level of a child and getting introduced to one thing here and one thing there and and getting to watch Rudius grow up as the world is explained was super interesting. No, you're 100% right. Like, it was definitely seeing, like, the power system and just how the different types of magics and then, like, Saint-class wizards and Saint-class swordsmen and all that and understanding the different races and the lore, that's all put in very well and like also saying that Rudis his dad like Paul he seems like a mooch um, but then we find out oh no wait he's like this great swordsman and you know his mom used to be a really renowned like sorcerer or user of magic as well and we found out his maid <laughs> uh, was that, also a that, part of the party <laughs> this is another reason I can't fuck with this show uh <sighs> So, but yeah, so this is the kind of the journey, or not the journey, this is the first part of Rudis's like, journey into the new world and kind of figuring out his own. Uh, the first core we see, or first 11 episodes, I believe, we see Rudis is kind of growing up, uh, getting used to things, figuring out how stuff works. You know, he's going to go meet the family, and, well, he's meeting his family, realizing stuff. Uh, seeing the parts of his dad he doesn't want to be like because Rudis is a pervert but so is his dad but his dad's more arguably scum than he is Um, but also not kind of because it's like accepted in this world to have more than one not really at all it, it Every, is everybody everybody knows that Um, what's his name Paul Paul yes everybody knows that Paul Gray Rat is this ledge and we'll just smash anything in sight but the issue i've got and yes i definitely have a problem with you know okay paul is not only a, a lech but he hasn't let those 
tendencies died when he settled down. No, he fucked the maid and got her pregnant, and that's a plot point where Rudius has to use his 34-year-old brain to, like, understand how to navigate the relationship between his mom and dad so that nobody gets left out in the cold. Yeah, and then you find out later... Well... (laughs) You find out later how, like, trash Paul's dad is. Like, I don't think you've gotten to that point yet. But, like, later in the series, you find out that Paul's dad was really for the streets and the mate was not the victim. Or she was not the... He he hold her. I'll just say that. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not thinking that they're good people. I don't know. Maybe that's the issue. I want them to be good people, but they're... Uh, I would say I they're not know. intrinsically bad people. Yeah. Especially the results of... They're the result of the uh, the experiences they have to deal with. Um, but that said, there's, you know, the, the difference here for me is that Rudeus is a pervert from day one, right? Yeah. And that carries on through his childhood. And he, he has a pair of his... His teacher, his ma- magic teacher's panties as like a whole, like a sacred object. Which is kind of funny that a six-year-old, seven-year-old would have that, but it's like, okay, kid, whatever. But no, like, never forget, this is a 40, like a 34-year-old man. And that's my hang-up the entire way through. Yeah, that is a lot of people's issue, which is, you know, a very valid issue, not gonna lie. Um, But there's also more to the story than just that. Which is why Mushoku Tensei is so highly regarded. Yeah, no, there's um the whole sense of self, like there's an issue that happens at the end of the first core where um we see that Rudis is sent to Rudis talks about how he wants to go and be stronger and venture out and he wants to make um like basically go to the school and become stronger and all that and just everything so his parents kidnap him or reverse kidnap him to go to his family's like his dad's cousin uh estate to learn i think it's his brother is it his brother or his his cousin yeah you might be right the branching families yeah it's it's about is that stuff um so goes to the branching families um Kind of. So he, so Rudius wants to take a selfie and go study at Magic College, right? Yes. And he's like, Dad, pay for this. And Dad's like, I can't. You know, that's too much money as it is. And so Rudius is like, okay, get me a job and I'll, I'll earn the money. And Paul is like, okay. So Paul and Rudius get in a fight where Paul knocks him the fuck out and then ships him off to some family members who's going to give him a job teaching uh, the young lady of the family how to be a mage and read and write and this, that, and the other. And that's his job for five years. Yeah. And uh, so while he's there doing that, uh, learning all this stuff and teaching Rudis or teaching Eris, his cousin, uh, yes, he, um, you know, hijinks and Sue, and she's about, I think she's, he's 10, and I believe she's 14 or 13, either, it's a two-year or four-year age difference, and I can't remember for the life of me, 
uh, which one it is, and the wiki was not helping me um, at all with that. So shout out to wiki. Uh, but basically, yep. See, just just found out what age she died, which. Okay. Yeah, thanks, um, thanks just, Wiggy. Good, good to know. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Um, so anyway, uh, we're going to, for the sake of this, Ruse is going to be 10 and Eris is going to be 12. Uh, um, but anyway. No, she's she's definitely 14 or something. Okay, so she's going to be Because four- we see a major birthday happen. Yes, so. I don't know, man. It's just so dumb. Anyways, <laughs> continue. Anyways, continue. Uh, so Rudus is younger than her and is teaching her because Rudus is like a genius, basically, a child prodigy. So it's going with the whole thing of, oh, you know, he's um, he's XYZ and all that. And Eris is kind of a hothead. She's a very Sundere character and very violent. So she speaks with her fist and kind of is very spoiled. So Rudus' job is to teach her magic, which she doesn't want to learn. So he has to think in ways to kind of do that, uh, to get her to kind of figure that out. And as of doing that, he um, kind of grows closer to her and she really becomes his first or his second friend because Sophie, who is a elf, who we left back in the village which is who he wanted to go to school with. Uh, wow, there's a lot that happens in the show. So <laughs> Yes, there is. And and this is like the first six, seven episodes. Yeah. And one thing with Sylphie, as we move into the next major plot point, one thing with Sylphie is she's got green hair, pointy ears, and everyone assumes she's this, this super demon, right? Because of the green hair. And the, uh, what are they called? The superd... Super, oh, yeah, that's super, super yeah. Um, assuming that she's this super demon that was part of a, a war 400 years ago and that there are now kind of folk tales that if you run into a superb who's got green hair and a, a jewel in their forehead, which is the third eye, they will eat your children and they will just kill you outright. We find out that she's not one of those. She's actually a whole ass elf, which we haven't seen any more of those yet. Yeah. But I look forward to it. Um, but that plot point plays in as we move into one of the major things that happens in season one or uh, in core one. So we have this whole thing where there's this, they're in the town, uh, you know, where. Elsa, Urza, Eris. Eris, yeah. Yeah, where Eris, Eris and the, the other gray rats live. Uh, and in the distance in the sky, there's some kind of floating orb that is ominous. And so we don't know what's going on with that, but the grandfather uh, tells Rudius, we're going to hope that it's a good omen because there's not much else we can do if it's not. Yeah, so... Goes on, it's time for uh, Eris to, uh, Eris and, what's the the bodyguard's name? Her name is uh, Gernay, Gernay, uh, Ghislaine. Ghislaine, yeah, wait. No. Yeah, Ghislaine. Yeah. Uh, it's time for Eris and Ghislaine to, like, witness saint-level water magic. So, they all go out to this field... And it's time to, like, demonstrate this magic. 
And while Rudy is, is, is kind of starting this off, the ominous orb in the sky triggers and causes a mana explosion and just obliterates everything in the countryside, everything in the village, everything all the way back to Rudius' hometown and somehow transports everyone to a new location. And in this instance, it transports Eris and Rudius to the demon continent. Yeah, which is just right where we get into Core 2, which waiting for this was such a... Uh, I mean, actually, no, I think it was only a week, maybe. I don't remember the time it took to get between these two, but I do remember I was like, wow, really? Um, Core 1 English release was May 30th. Uh, 2021 core two was about four or five months later so it ended in may it restarted in october yeah it was a struggle um because i was like yo we really gotta because i watched it uh, it was january that's what it was it was january for the sub because i was like dang we starting off the year strong and then we literally ended the year with the second course so i had to wait about six months in between to like see what this was and boy howdy was i envy you for being able to watch it um back to back because i was i was like dang what are we doing but seeing that like break i think that was a perfect place for a break because i was like stressed i was like what are we doing how this happened um like and we get here and i'm like Okay, so they're alone. What's going to happen? Like, we've seen only the joking kind of juvial part of Mashoko Tensei. We haven't really seen anything too serious. We saw Eris trying to be kidnapped, but that was like blah, blah. But now we're like really out here fighting for our lives. And as we go through this and see, we meet our supper that we had uh, first been talking about and everything. Uh, uh, just, it's a lot, man. <laughs> and... We just see death right off the bat in the demon continent and see how different it is from the rest of the world that we were living in. And we kind of find out about this event as we go through it because we see Roxy's point of view and we see other characters we've seen and they're like, what happened? Like, you know, where's Rudy? Where's um, Paul and the rest of the family? And then when we inevitably meet up with them, we see that everybody has lost something. There's been a toll. There's been a lot of death and when it's combated from Rudis, who's like did what he had to do to um survive this whole thing like because you know Rudis is still i think 12 at this point because he's been with Ares for two years i want to say something about that or sure yeah so he went through his journey at 10 and he's 12 having to navigate all this like go through the demon content which is the danger most dangerous content in the world you know Everybody else got sent different places. Some people died on impact. Some people became slaves. But as far as we know, Rudis and Iris were the only two sent to like this demon con. Like they couldn't even eat until they found uh, Rygert. Why did I say Rygert? Um, Rugert? Yeah, Rugert. And kind of seeing how we went from the tone switch to kind of just really juvial and relaxed to like this is survival. You know, like we can't joke anymore. We have to be serious. Rudis is trying to hold it together for Eris, but he's also kind of like freaking out as well. And this is really where you see that like pervert style come to a halt. Um, 
because he's like, I got to survive. And we see it kind of become a coping mechanism. At least that's how I saw it. Like he leans back on that to try and cope with everything that's going on. He's like, oh, I still have this and, you know, I can be like a joke. But Rudis gets someone killed, man. Like straight up. <laughs> like not on purpose. But when they are fighting, what was it? The giant spider? When, you know, was it a spider or was it a snake? It was a snake. It was some type of creepy crawly um, where they were involved with this other team of three kids or younger people. Um, They were trying to go and fight this battle and whatnot. And Rudis was like, no, let's stay back. Let's not help them. We don't want to turn our power and everything. And because of that choice that Rudis made, uh, one of the kids ends up dying. And we see that that takes an effect on him, but even more so it takes an effect on Rugert, who is, like we said, this separate, who has this whole thing about being, you know, he wants kids to see them or he wants to protect kids because the story with the separate, which is true, it turns out to be that they killed their own children because they were under like a spell or there was like this thing placed upon them where they went mad well, so what happened, and let's get into the lore. So apparently there's a kind of a deity uh, super figure, let's say, like a, a man god uh, named Laplace. And he's the one who waged war with, uh, with the demons who were kind of killing everybody. This is the story we're being presented. And he's kind of the savior. And he's got his whole crew of like 12 super dudes or something living in this floating castle, this, that, and the other. Come to find out that the reason that the super went off the rails in the first place is because they were an honorable warrior race. And Laplace gave them demon spears uh, instead of the spears they made themselves. And that came with a curse causing the super to go berserk and kill everything on site. Now, specifically with uh, Rujard, he had to kill his own son because it was the only way to get him to stop being crazy and under the control of the curse from Laplace. And he even carries his own spear that Laplace gave him because he wants to remember this, I believe. Yeah, I also thought his spear was like his son somehow. Oh, it might have been. It might have been the spear that the son had. Yeah. Oh, so what it was is Lapis betrayed his group by giving them each a devil spear, which made them ecstatic from killing even their own family. After giving his son a fatal wound, his son managed to destroy the devil spear and Rugrat finally wakes up from the brainwashing. He considered committing suicide, but decided not to, and every one of the warrior groups swore revenge on Lapis. Okay. So, I okay, guess so the that's spear he's got is just spear. A, So, the spear he's got is just a regular super spear. Yeah. Which, to say it's regular, it gets sharper and harder every time it's used in compact. He's used it for at least the uh, last 400 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Fantasy bullshit. Fantasy bullshit. I gotta love it. <laughs> yeah, which is... I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I know Mushoko Tensei is going to make me immensely sad at the end because I don't feel like my favorite characters are going to make it out. Um, Like, 
I don't know. I, I have gone through this thing where I'm like, my favorite characters just die in everything recently. Um, we're not going to talk about Bleach. We're going to talk about that later off the podcast. <laughs> I got words. Um, uh, this other anime that I was watching. Favorite but also, like, uh, everybody in this current season, what is this? This is still fall. Yeah, 22, everybody right? in the fall. Everybody in fall 22, no matter what anime you're in, somebody is not making it out of this season. <laughs> yeah, like, like, my hero has got problems. <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, fucking, um, what's the other one? Chainsaw Man? Yeah, ain't, cha- no, oh, ain't, yeah, ain't everybody Man. making it out? <laughs> uh, this other trash anime I was watching, Shinobi Itoki, which where the mom just died and killed by her daughter because she was being brainwashed. And I was like, what is happening, man? Like... <laughs> Like, is anybody... I'm not even going to watch Mob Psycho because I'm like, who died in Mob Psycho? I'll get around to it. Um, but yeah, it is It is a whole thing right now. And just... I'm worried because I love these characters so much in Mushoko Tensei. Like, they're so personable and they're done so well. Especially Rugert. I loved his character and how he... I felt like we got to see each character growth. And normally with, like, a larger cast of characters... We don't normally get to see their growth. Excuse me, like even Roxy, who was like a very secondary character, we got to see her growth throughout this by giving her an episode to go back home to her family and her to kind of understand her feelings and, you know, Rudy motivating her to want to grow and develop. We saw Paul's uh, character development from like him blaming Rudis, but it was actually him who felt like he couldn't protect his family and not understand Rudis because he thought it would have it together. And then we saw, even with Rudis's sister, you know, his half-sister, like, we saw the development with her, you know, of hating Rudy to understanding, oh, wow, no, I really like him. So, it was well, all... Well, having outspoken disdain for her brother that she'd never really yeah. knew, but, like, from the moment she got saved by him, like, she had known the entire time that that was her brother. Yeah. Which she's so smart. I love her. So much better than her other sister. Hate her. (laughs) What does that mean? What does it mean? (laughs) Mr. I have 10 volumes of the light novel that you'll never get. (laughs) They're not in order. So I haven't even really read them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got like one, four, seven, fifteen. I don't have two or three. I don't have seven. You can't even get like 11 and 12. Like, I, I appreciate Cam's gift, but I hate him so much. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> huh. But, yeah, pretty much. Um, but, no, you were saying about his sister. Like, yeah, so. Yeah, wh- what's wrong with the sister we haven't seen yet, man? We've seen her. No, we haven't seen her that has had development following your previous uh, argument. We've seen both sisters. We have. Oh, yeah, holy shit. <laughs> I was, I was Look like, at how unmemorable that other one Exactly, that's why I'm like, I do not care. <laughs> yeah, yeah just hanging did. out with the dad and, and, and being the cause of him to, like, persist. Mm-hmm. But, like, other than her not doing anything uh, positive or negative, is that, like, the argument for why she's the worst sister? She's just kind of spoiled and coddled, and, like, really it's so in tune with her dad to the point where she just... Like, I don't know. She sees her dad is she doesn't find any fault with her father, and that kind of becomes a bigger thing later. 
um, she kind of treats her other sister coldly because of that. And I'm just like, girl, like, neither of you asked. She's to be also born. like, the hell down. she's like six. She'll grow. <laughs> That's one of the problems I've heard about this show. They, <laughs> they are supposedly grow. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, speaking of all the characters, was there any character that like really stood out to you as a character that you really liked, or a character that you can't wait to see more of, or saw too much of, or yeah? I enjoyed the. I enjoyed each character as they interacted with Rudius, and sometimes that came with not a lot of screen time. Sometimes that came with heavy emphasis early on, uh, and knowing that that is important and the question of will we get back to them not like will they be important but like will our cast croak before they get a chance to achieve their goal of like meeting back up with uh sylphie or uh or even that you know as we're on that uh journey through the demon continent where is everybody else? And that kind of mystery. I really enjoyed that. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Ghislaine. Ghislaine was a badass. No, she was. I loved her a lot. I still love her. I don't know how I felt about Eris. I, I like that she calmed the fuck down. And she kind of had her own drive to be a, like a great swords person. But again, you know especially at the end of season one. Okay, well, where are you going with Ghislaine? What are you going to go do? <laughs> You're not leading your continent. And we'll, we'll come back to the ending of season one, but it's yeah. like, okay, uh, I don't know. Um, favorite character would probably have to be, uh, I'm trying to come up with a, a, a bullshit one, but no, it's got to be Roxy. It's got to be Roxy. Just I really hold love it Roxy. down, doing doing her job as a magic tutor, uh, going in search of Rudius, and finally going back to her family. That was that was a touching moment, and and finding out what caused her to leave in the first place. Like she's not telepathic, and it's like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> she's ostracized, just like Rudius from an old, you know, from a former life was. So she can kind of resonate with that. Yeah, which is so like crazy. Like the, and I like how that's done too. Like how, um, physically, you know, she's fine. She has the magic power and everything else. She just doesn't have like the telepathy. So in their village, they don't really like talk. And that was so like ominous. Like just seeing that when we saw her backstory and how she was like kind of treated, because at, at it was just wild. Um. Also, the fact that she's like a hundred something years old, or like sixty, or something—I don't know. Yeah. Um. And and one thing with that whole telepathy thing, half of her running away was her misconception of the meaning, and and other people's opinion of her, like especially her parents, right? So she's she can't communicate. The kids call her weird because she can't, you know, be telep uh, telepathic. And then she just assumes, because we don't communicate, anyways, uh, that her parents feel burdened by this fact. 
Uh, but also, they're just kind of trying to figure out how to fuck do we actually say words, because that's not something we do. It's not a problem, but it's a challenge for everybody. And, and the emphasis on that, especially when she comes back, that it was never a problem. It was just a challenge on all parts. Was like, okay, yeah, here's the, here's the moral of the story, kids. The perception may not entirely be reality. Yeah. Which, which is something that I like how they did that as well. Like conception versus reality. I felt like that was a really good um, minor subplot that they put in here. Especially kind of with like um, Rugert's character. Not exactly, but like showing, like Rudis showing Rugert that we can change how people perceive you. And like through the figures and how all that stuff happens. So I was like, this is just really cool. And seeing that happen is really dope. And I just felt like that was done in a really strong and positive way. And it really, it kind of cemented Ruger as one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character from this. I Don't get me wrong. I love all the girls. Shout out to them. I love Rugis as well, even with his habits. Um, and for some reason, I'm super excited to see more of like Elanese, like the girl who has the, um, well, <laughs> of course you are excited to see Elanie's <laughs> Dragon Road. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I just am, okay? Uh, but... Yeah, I want to see what she does other than smash. Yeah. Um, I almost spoiled why that happened, so I'm glad I stopped myself. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I also want to find out what's going on... With Zenith. With, uh, with who? Oh, Zenith's mom. Oh, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get to it. Yeah. Like... Other than like main plot roads, I want to. I'm curious what's going to happen with uh, Kishirika Kishirishu. Oh, yeah, the eye demon. Um, I'm mad yeah, I knew who the, that was. The, the <laughs> demon <laughs> goddess, the, the, the demon empress. Yeah, I'm very excited too. And I'm very excited who her like boyfriend is. Um, did she, what? <laughs> didn't she say? She said something where she was oh, like, She has a fiance. Yeah. Yeah, where she's like, I can't have relations with you because i'm engaged i'm like who would marry you like no offense but i'm just very much curious to how that's gonna go um, well she's part of the immortal demon clan so this is a reincarnation or like a rebirth or something okay true so who knows man who knows so i'm very excited to see um i'm very excited to see what her role is as well because we saw that she gave rudis a demon eye um so i'm excited to see how that plays into things as well and did she give anybody else an eye she didn't give uh roxy she didn't give roxy an eye but she looked for rudius and saw that he was alive yeah and then he she looked for rudius's mom and that's when we found out she was somewhere underneath like the desert but we don't know more than that. Yeah, which I'm super excited to see more with that plot point. Like, season two is going to be so good, which we got confirmed, thank goodness, um, that it's coming in 2023. I don't think we got the exact date. I'm assuming spring or summer is when we'll probably get it, or next fall. Who knows? Who knows? Um, But, like, another thing that I wanted to talk about was the ending, man. Like, the ending of season one was absolutely crazy. Bro, if Rudius just kept his goddamn mouth shut, they wouldn't have had to go through that. We wouldn't have gotten lore, right? Yeah. But but 
we oh oh my god the way that opens is just like oh this is the the end i don't know how we're gonna come out of this so we go through that whole fight where they run into Orsted. somebody yeah oh they run into Orsted. 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 yeah which is the strongest being Orsted. in the world yeah because apparently there's a power system fucking number one under the sun i just i, I kind of love that that was fun um but he rolls up on him and he's got this curse. This is where we introduce the real power of curses here. And he's got this curse that in like every living creature just has the the emotion of fear when they gaze upon him to the point where their pack mule jumps off the fucking cliff. <sighs> and the only person, the only person who doesn't feel this fear is Rudius. We don't know why, but Rudius gets them into trouble. Yeah. Uh. And like Orsted notices something about Rudius, like as they're walking by. Anytime you see dragons run from someone, you should just take that as a whole um like <laughs> Yeah, like let me let me not do that. But anywho, um so yeah, we see we see Orsted just kind of scare off dragons and all this other stuff and he sees Rudis and he's like who is this person like I got this vibe from him and he's like I gotta kill you you are a regular and the second like Rudrick senses this Rudrick just goes absolute in and this whole point we haven't seen Rudrick go try hard at all because he hasn't had to because he's so powerful. Like, he's training Iris, who's already strong. And, like, she's getting constantly mopped. But now we see Rudrick just go off. And Orsted is just fending him off with his hands. Like, he has this strong spear and it's going in. And he's just getting the work. And Orsted respects this man, Rudrick, or Rudrick and doesn't kill him. I was like, yo, the respect for that is real. He's like, you're a true warrior. Like, I was like, yo, respect. And then... Bruh. Was that? And, and the fact that half of this is spurred from the fact that Rudius is talking to Kitogami, the man god, and that's the thing that pisses Orsted off. He's, you know, he's just having a cold conversation with him. And then he mentions, he asks, like, have you ever heard of the man god? And Rudius is like, fuck yeah, he comes to me in my dreams. And then he's like, it's game over. And that's the spur of moment for all of this great action. And it's it's tragic because... Yeah, like you said, um, Ruger just puts in the work and gets waxed. Fucking uh, Eris hits a like a like a combo and then gets waxed, and then Rudius. It was cool to see Rudius put up this really like unwinnable fight, but he used all of his knowledge and effort to like hit him with some magic that he was like, oh shit. Yeah, I see why this is a problem. Yeah. So, homie is just, yeah, homie just taking mad L's this way and that way. And it's just crazy that that it's like mystery mask girl is like, hey, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Well, she said something then, cryptic. She's like, I think he's the one or something. Yeah. So then uh then he's like, okay, well I guess I'll just heal them then. And and that's the thing that saves everybody is because Ursta just like 
Okay, well, I guess I won't leave you to die, but whatever. Next time, <laughs> don't worry. I'll be still just as strong. And that that's one of, you know, along with the the entire buildup of the the demon continent uh, travels, and then this very traumatic moment, that's what really is setting up what's going to happen when we finally make it back to our kind of homeland. Yeah. When And we get there, and we have uh, Roger doing some stuff, and, and it's, he finally parts ways with, uh, with the other two. And that was kind of touching when he was like, y'all are both now warriors. Can I treat you like children one more time? And I'm like, this motherfucker gonna make me cry. Yeah, that's why he best character, bro. That's why he best character. But then he goes off and we see him, you know, helping some people. And they're like, man, what do you mean you're a, you're a superb? Thought they eat your children. And he's like, nope. And it was kind of funny to see him interact with people. Yeah, and it had my heart because they had like the figure and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love it. Um, but yeah, so that was where we get to like Ruse's story or Rugert's story. But then that whole event with Orsted and like Orsted basically murdering Rudy and then Iris Singh and everything, we get to the end and we come back to the village where we see everything kind of originated or where they took off from. We see that Ghislaine is still alive and then the butler of the Grey Rat Manor is still alive. And Iris is like, where's my family? And then they're like, Materials, we have to talk to you in private. And then Rudis goes to leave, and she's like, no, Rudis is staying here. Like, he's helped me through all this. Like, Rudis is staying. So, uh, Rudis and stays there, and they tell her, the butler tells her that your whole family's dead. Uh, your parents were transported, and Ghislaine found them, and they had already been transported and killed by demons or something upon impact or arrival. Which I was super sad about because I, I totally wanted to see more of the mom. But, you know. <laughs> that mom character was like, you just mad the entire time and you get one redeeming thing and then you're dead. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, I was like, we got here. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was just, what? Like, after all Which, this? It's disappointing, but I also appreciate the fact that, like, they made us care about this character one time, kind of. And and it makes the loss kind of make a difference. Yeah. Um Yeah. So So we get we, we find out about the parents and we also find out about the grandfather who we saw get murdered or executed, you know, for being you know, not not stopping the magical bullshit that no one had any idea what was going on yeah. with. You know, he they, they held him responsible for everything. But also there's a whole, you know, there are multiple, like, gray rat branches. And, like, the main family was also killing him to stop uh, some kind of coup from the branch families trying to take control from them. Yeah, it was so that, super That's messed part up. of it. Yeah. So he had to take the L for that. So he was murdered. And upon finding this out, Eris is like, everybody get out. 
And then Rue's just still standing there, and she's like, I said, I'd buy get out. I was like, okay, just did my dog like that. That's fine. You know, confused the signals. It's fine. You, you 14 or 16 going through it. Uh, so that's fine. <sighs> so, um, Rue's just kind of doing his own thing, trying to figure out stuff, and, you know, uh, so this is when it gets dicey, you know? Bro. Um, bro. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's, it's nighttime the same day. Well, not only do we find out about the whole family dying, he's also like someone wants, like some person of great power wants to like take you in as their concubine. Did we touch on that? (laughs) Oh, no, we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's either, either, you know, you can't live with your family because they don't exist. And someone in power wants to like smash you for, for the sake of doing it, you know, and it will help your people. So, I don't know what you're going to do, but good luck. And so that same night after getting that news, Eris rolls in to Rudius's tent and they get intimate. Yeah. She says, and it's like, I want to have your puppies. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> <sighs> Rudius at first is not here for it. He's like, no, I don't think this is the way, you know, I don't think we should really be like doing this. And I was like, okay, wow, interesting. And and yeah. And then she hits him with that. Yeah, then she hits him with and that. And then he he gives in. Yeah. And Problem being, uh, they're both children. Yes. He's like 12 and she's 15. And it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Yes. And he's also 40-something at this point in his brain. Uh and all of that happening, she then leaves in the middle of the night before he wakes up and leaves a note, don't look for me. Not to mention, she left all her hair in the bed. So rude. <laughs> Bruh. So rude. And, and and went off on another adventure with Ghislaine. Right? Presumably to go off and train her swordsmanship. Right? I can't wait to see... Uh, Ares come back as a sword god or a sword king, uh, as it were. Like I want to see that. Yeah. But it didn't have to. It didn't have to come at the cost of seeing this. You know. <laughs> yeah. Not to Ugh. mention the fact that like the note she left because of course we're back on the note train. Uh, the note she left was not at all indicative of how she truly felt. Like it was very much because keeping in mind her English and grammar sucks. So it made it, it wrote as that he was inadequate, so she left. So he thinks it's because of his performance in the deed and has this horrible self-esteem. In the same time, he's well, like, I'm, you're really the only person I had right now. Like, and you left me. Like, you didn't even say bye. It, it's, it's less of the performance and it's more like they spent the entire time adventuring together to get back here. And now that they're back on day number two, she fucks him and then leaves him alone with no one else in the world. And he reverts back to to being his old self, not knowing how to cope with this. Which is real, you know? Like, he is... He, like, which is a lot, you know? He becomes depressed. He doesn't eat. He doesn't do anything. He just sits there kind of despondent until the butler comes up on him and is like, hey, you know... If you're not going to eat or leave this tent, 
I'm going to need you to, like, move because we got things we got to do. And it's a cruel world. But, yeah. And this is where, like, one of my favorite moments in season one happens is when we get to this uh, moment of him having self-accuation um, from him being down bad about the situation and just missing Eris and everything and thinking about everything that's happened. And he has a flashback to, like, his mom and how she gets hurt. And she's like, I'll protect you. And she's like, oh, will you, Rudy? When something happens from me, will you come for me? And he, like, that's kind of the actualization of realizing that this is his mother. Like, his first, he had this separation between these are just people in his life. And he's like, no, this is my mom. You know, I love her. And she loves me. And I want to, like, save her. So that happening was really dope. And then he walks out of the tent and starts his journey to go find her. I'm like, gang. Yes. Very excited to to see what he goes and does. And also, I'm scared as fuck about where his mom actually is. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. And I'm, like, very worried. Because I'm worried something's going to happen to her. Like, I mean, obviously something's probably happened to her. So, we're, we're going to see. Um... Bro, don't don't click on the wiki. <laughs> Even looking at the post teleport incident fucking portrait. She looks <laughs> like she went through it. Bro, it doesn't look good. Huh. Bro, don't read don't don't even get <laughs> Stop close, reading. Close it. the browser. Stop. Close the browser, guys. Stop reading. Oh my god. Um <laughs> Lord. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, man. Not not looking forward to Okay, yes, I am looking forward to season two. The stress is just immense. Yeah. <sighs> so we we gonna see. Um we we gonna see. I know particularly one moment that like I'm really excited to see is you know I'm excited to see the future when he meets up with Sylphie again and Roxy and Eris, like who, what type of person he's going to be, whether he'll like embrace them. Like, I'm really excited to see about his interaction with Eris again, if they meet again, because who knows? Like, who knows? Yeah, man, he's picking up a harem. He's got multiple options. What's going to happen? Yeah. Um, but one thing that I also wanted to say before we wrap it up is. Each episode had its own intro and it just flowed in so flawlessly with the music and like it was a true masterclass in production like this whole season one and I did not mind it being split into two cores because it's kept that quality kind of like you know Spy Family I don't feel like it ever dipped quality in terms of production um, and I feel like it just this was different of course this was not your average you know anime it had a whole studio made just to produce it and you don't get that type of love often if ever so shout out to this for most um but i really want to see other animes kind of doing this type of thing as well you know like bringing that energy of like you know the production and the quality and everything because this was a whole vibe yeah, and, and kind of really integrating the intro as part of the story and not just like as a as like a billboard for what's going to happen, but like integrate it into the the narrative and storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Bro, you got to get me off these wikis, Stop. man. Stop. <laughs> no more wikis for you. No, in 2023, no more wikis. Nah. No, 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 no. <laughs> nah. We just got to stop watching shows that are this current. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which we'll have to figure out. But all in all, for for some questionable, uh, some questionable themes that come along with this, and and they are questionable, right? Uh, Mushoku Tensei is an incredible work of animation, and I look forward to seeing where the plot takes us from here. Yes, I will for sure be watching season two whenever it airs in 2023. I think, like I said, I think winter, not winter, but I think maybe spring or summer is when it's happening. So we'll have to, we'll have to see, but I'm definitely anxious and awaiting. Yeah, man, absolutely. And we'll get to that when it comes out here on your typical Shonen Protagonist. Catch us on all your podcasts, Target, Spotify, it's Amazon podcast at your typical Shonen Protagonist. Or on Twitter, Instagram, uh, as well. YTSP. Kai Yafso, too. Yeah, you can find me at Static Dreads on Twitter. Um, that's Z with a Z because I'm cool. And stay tuned for more stuff on our YouTube. It's coming. So, yeah. Woo-woo. No, don't hit... Don't hit him with a woo-woo <laughs> unless you... Anyways. Um, and, of course, the other product at uh, Content Breaker. We'll catch y'all next week for more. Your typical Shona protagonist. Mm-hmm.